Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast, one of the best chemistry podcasts globally. We are glad you are listening. We encourage you to subscribe and continue to listen. Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. We are glad you are listening. We are one of the best chemistry podcasts globally. We encourage you to subscribe and continue to listen. Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. We are so glad you are listening. Feel free to subscribe on Spotify and tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast. Our deepest fear by Marion Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightening about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Our deepest fear by Marion Williams. You are very important especially to us here at the New Chemist Podcasting Group. You listening in is significant. Vous êtes très important, surtout pour nous ici au New Chemist Podcasting Group. Votre écoute est significative. Usted es muy importante, especialmente para nosotros aquí en The Nuche Mist Podcasting Group. Usted escuchando, es significativo. Você é muito importante, especialmente para nós do The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Você ouvindo, é significativo.
Είστε πολύ σημαντικοί, ειδικά για εμάς εδώ στο The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Το να ακούς είναι σημαντικό. Sie sind sehr wichtig, besonders für uns hier bei The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Es ist wichtig, dass du zuhörst. Je bent erg belangrijk, vooral voor ons hier bij The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Dat je meeluistert, is veel betekenend. You are very important. Especially to us here at the New Chemist Podcasting Group. You listening in is significant. Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. Bienvenidos al podcast del nuevo químico. Καλώς ήρθατε στο podcast του New Chemist. Welkom bij de podcast van The New Chemist. Bienvenue sur le podcast du Nouveau Chimiste. Bem-vindo ao podcast do Novo Químico. Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. Work hard. Be value-driven. You can do it. You can grow and learn it. You can be the difference you and your community needs. Don't give up. We are here rooting and cheering for you. Don't give up. Travaillez dur. Soyez axés sur la valeur. Tu peux le faire. Vous pouvez grandir et l'apprendre. Vous pouvez être la différence dont vous et votre communauté avez besoin. N'abandonnez pas. Nous sommes ici pour vous encourager et vous encourager. N'abandonnez pas. Trabalhar duro. Seja orientado por valores. Você consegue. Você pode crescer e aprender. Você pode ser a diferença que você e sua comunidade precisam. Não desista. Estamos aqui torcendo e torcendo por você. Não desista. Duepse esclirá. Na odigites tinaxia. Boris na tocanis. Μπορείτε να μεγαλώσετε και να το μάθετε. Μπορείτε να είστε η διαφορά που χρειάζεστε εσείς και η κοινότητά σας. Μην τα παρατάς. Είμαστε εδώ για να σας ζητοκραυγάσουμε. 
Mint a paratás. Trabaja duro. Sea impulsado por el valor. Puedes hacerlo. Puedes crecer y aprenderlo. Usted puede ser la diferencia que usted y su comunidad necesitan. No te rindas estamos aquí animándote y animándote. No te rindas. Werk hard. Wees waarde gedreven. Je kunt het. Je kunt groeien en leren. U kunt het verschil zijn dat u en uw gemeenschap nodig hebben. Geef niet op. We zijn hier om voor je te roten en te juichen. Geef niet op. Work hard. Be value driven. You can do it. You can grow and learn it. You can be the difference you and your community needs. Don't give up. We are here rooting and cheering for you. Don't give up. Thanks for listening. We're glad you were able to tune into this podcast. Once again, this is the new chemist where we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as the other sciences, careers, community, research and COVID-19. Thanks again for listening. Note, the views on this podcast represent those of my guests and I. of pharmacy we lay the claim knowledge and compassion is the golden flame science and practice side by side they groove in a student's journey we find the move thinking by wd wendell if you think you are beaten you are if you think you dare not you don't if you'd like to win but you think you can't it is almost a cinch you won't if you think you'll lose you've lost for out in this world we find Success begins with a fellow's will. It's all in the state of mind. If you think you're outclassed, you are. You've got to think high to rise. You've got to be sure of yourself before. You can ever win the prize. Life's battles don't always go. To the stronger or faster man. But sooner or later the man who wins. Is the man who thinks he can. Remember. Strategy, hard work collaboration, and execution. You can do it. You can do it. Okay, good afternoon. It is so good. It is so thrilling. It is so exciting. Today we're going to switch things up a bit. We're going to be having a vis-a-vis, tete-a-tete, conversation on pharmaceutical chemistry. Um, so, uh, I won't be referencing the notes of some of my professors. However, I won't be showing the notes. I'll be referencing the notes. Um, it'll just be an audio discussion with, with uh, 
the notes uh, being referenced. So the first topic for today would be serotonergic and antidepressant agents. A reference to the notes of specifically Dr. A. Kulkarni. Um, so let's just go through them. Some introductory ideas, the biosynthesis and metabolism of serotonin, receptor types and subtypes, as well as we're going to be looking at uh, targeting and serotonergic signaling. And then we'll conclude um, for that topic. Uh, but this is going to be a long episode, very, very long episode, because we're going to go through serotonergic and antidepressant opioid agents, cholinergic agents, as well as some fundamental ideas associated with pharmaceutical chemistry. So let's begin. Let's begin. Okay, so serotonin. Serotonin, otherwise known as 5-hydroxytryptamine, or 5-HT, was identified as a neuroreceptor ligand in in the late 1940s. Serotonin is associated with depression slash anxiety, schizophrenia, hallucinations, drug abuse, appetite control, vomiting, etc. Just a quick note, these episodes are not intended for medical advice, counseling, or suggestions. Please refer and consult the relevant medical professionals, whether it be your physician, your GP, your general practitioner, your physician, your NP, your nurse practitioner, your physician assistant, as well as your pharmacist. Um, Make sure they are licensed in the state and registered with the board as well. So, continuing on, advances in histochemical fluorescence techniques led to the application of radioligand binding assays for 5-HT and elucidated the pathophysiological role in a variety of aforementioned disorders, so depression, schizophrenia, obesity, etc. It is also established, uh, it is also established that types and subtypes also refer to as, as families and subfamilies, so the types and subtypes are also referred to as families and, sub- and subfamilies of the serotonergic receptors, similar to opioid receptors. Okay, so now I'm not going to show any structures in this. This is going to be a a face-to-face conversation about these concepts. So serotonin, biosynthesis, and metabolism. Hydroxylation at the five position by tryptophan hydroxylase present in the serotonergic neurons. So let's just delve into what's happening with this serotonin biosynthesis pathway. Let's delve in a bit. Um, Let's see, let's see, let's see. So if we look closer or closely at the pathway, this tryptophan goes through tryptophan hydroxylase. So tryptophan, which has a characteristic indole functionality. So it has a characteristic indole functionality, so an aromatic functionality, and the classic amino acid uh, backbone structure with your carboxylic acid, your alpha carbon, with the substituted amino acids through or is processed by aromatic amino acid decarboxylase to form summation of methyl-hydroxytryptophan. So moving right along, serotonin release, uptake, and signaling. Biosynthesis takes place in serotonergic neurons. Biosynthesis, release, 
and reuptake mechanisms similar to other receptors. Uh, similar to the biosynthesis release and reuptake mechanisms are similar um, to what occurs in other neuroreceptors. That serotonin is stored in presynaptic neuronal vesicles. When released, serotonin interacts with the postsynaptic serotonergic receptors. So the action of 5-hydroxytryptophan is terminated either by its diffusion away from the synapse with subsequent metabolism or reuptake mechanism back to the presynaptic neuron. So serotonin transporter, also known as 5-HPT, is a sodium-dependent monoamine transporter protein. So when we talk about some of these neurotransmitters, we recognize that they are monoamine. And that's the case with many of the catechol amines. So catechol, the catechol functional, catechol group, catechol structure, and catechol amine. Um, so like dopamine, norepinephrine, serotonin, those types of things. Um, so moving right along, monoamine transporter protein and it's also a druggable target for the development of antidepressants. So that, that's an important point to take note of. Serotonin transporter, also known as 5-HTT, is a sodium-dependent monoamine transporter protein and is a druggable target for the development of antidepressants. So seven types of 5-hydroxytryptophan, there are seven types of 5-hydroxytryptophan receptors denoted by 5-HT1 to 5-HT7. All except 5-HT3 are coupled to G proteins. 5-HT3 is a ligand-gated ion channel selective for sodium cations and potassium cations. Okay, so serotonin receptor types. So you have the 5-HT1 family. So further divided, subdivided into six subfamilies, 5-HT1A to 5-HT-F, 5-HT1F, so 5-HT1A to 5-HT1F. Subfamilies are present in the CNS. So 5-HT1A through E, also found in blood vessels, is involved in functions such as anxiety, addiction, vasoconstriction, etc. With the exception of 5-HT1E, all other receptors of this family exhibit high affinity for 5-carboxamidotryptophan. So with the exception of 5-HT1E, all of the receptors of this family exhibit high affinity for 5-carboxamidotryptophan. So, uh, also, um, 8-hydroxy-2-di-n-propylaminotetraline or OHO or 8-OH-DPAT represents a selective 5-HT1A agonist. Very important. 8-hydroxy-2-di-n-propylaminotetraline or 8-OH-DPAT represents a selective 5-HT1A agonist. This suggests that an intact indole nucleus is not required for 5-HT1A agonism. Let's keep going. Okay, so 5-HT1A selective agonists. 
and we're looking specifically at long chain RL piperazines. Piperazines. So long chain RL piperazines or piperazines. So long chain long chain RL piperazines. LCAPs. LCAPs possessing long chain substituents at the N4 piperazine show good selectivity for 5-HT1A. So long chain RL piperazines possessing long chain substituents at N4 piperazine show good selectivity for 5-HT1A. Buspirone was the first agent in this class approved as an anxiolytic drug. Structurally related compounds, gepirone, tandospirone, and ipsopirone, these agents act either as a full or partial agonist of 5-HT1A. So remember, an agonist has 100% efficacy, partial agonist has about 0 to 100, falls in that range of 0 to 100 efficacy or intrinsic activity. Um, and we're talking in respect to the endogenous ligand for the receptor. And that's a, that. those concepts have been discussed in the previous episode. So agonism, antagonism, partial agonism, inverse agonism, all those other good stuff. So uh, continuing on, general structure, you typically have the aryl group, the pyrazine group, your spacer, so your methylene spacer, and then you have the terminus. Agents containing phenyl, substituted phenyl, Heteroaryl, all of those groups show good activity. So agents containing phenyl, a substituted phenyl, heteroaryl, all of those groups all show good activity. Changes in the papyrazine structure are not tolerated. Important to note, changes in the papyrazine structure are not tolerated. The placement of the amide or the imide Groups at the terminus is essential for good activity. One more time. Placement of the amide or the or and or the imide groups at the terminus is essential for good activity. All of the drugs shown above have an imide, I-M-I-D-E, imide, moiety in the terminus. Very important to note. Very, very important. Okay, so 5-HT1A selective antagonist. So remember, the antagonist just blocks the function of the agonist. Some compounds belonging to this class display structural features similar to classical agonists, buspirone. So some compounds belonging to this class display structural features similar to classical agonists, buspirone. However, the aryl portion is usually comprised of two methoxyphenyl moiety. So the aryl portion is usually comprised of a, of a 2-methoxyphenyl moiety. Agents such as uh, WAY-100-135 or WAY-106-35 are referred to as a silent 5-HT1A antagonist since they lack any agonist activity. So spirone is a 5-HT1A antagonist. It also displays high antagonist affinity for 5-HT2A and D2 receptors. So spirone is used for the treatment of schizophrenia. So when we talk about spi, we're talking about those spirocycles, so spirocyclic functionalities. 
Okay, so let's keep going. Clinical significance of 5-HT1A agonists and antagonists. Drug development efforts explore the 5-HT1A agonists as therapeutic targets for depression and anxiety. There seems to be good correlation between 5-HT metabolism and higher tendency towards depression, aggression, etc. So drug development exports. So we're talking about the clinical significance of 5-HT1A agonists and antagonists. So drug development efforts explored 5-HT1A agonists as therapeutic targets for depression and anxiety. There seems to be a good correlation between 5-HT metabolism and higher tendency towards depression, aggression, etc. Depirone produced significant symptomatic relief in patients with depression. Buspirone was effective in the treatment of mixed anxious slash depressive patients. Mixed anxious hyphen depressive patients. So lack of a select lack of 5-HT1A antagonists. Lack of selectivity in or with 5-HT1A antagonists. So the activity at other 5-HT receptor subtypes, dopaminergic receptors, etc has limited the drug development efforts that specifically target receptors. This specifically targets that receptor. Compounds like LY426965 are more metabolically stable and also display improved oral bioavailability as compared to WAY compounds. So LY426965 is being developed as a smoking cessation drug. So let's keep going. 5-HT1D receptor selective ligands. So sumatriptan, imatrex, was identified as the first 5-HT10 selective agonist with only modest selectivity, 2 through 24, for its affinity towards 5-HT receptors, particularly 5-HT1A and 5-HT1F. Sumatriptan belongs to the indole alkylamine class of compounds. Example, zomatriptan, zomig, naratriptan, emerge, nisotriptan, maxalt. These agents bind and display high affinity and improve selectivity for 5-HT1D. Agents like zomatriptan, Nisotriptan possess superior ability to cross the blood-brain barrier and are used for the treatment of migraine, cluster headaches, etc. Okay, so 5-HT2 receptor family. In general, 5-HT2 family of receptors are found in the CNS, blood vessels, GI tract, peripheral nervous system, and in smooth muscles. This receptor family is considered as a therapeutic target for the development of antipsychotics, anxiolytics, anorectics, so appetite suppressant agents. The subfamilies 5-HT2A, 5-HT2B, and 5-HT2C. There is significant amino acid sequence homology between 5-HT2A and 5-HT2C, greater than 78%. This explains 
the overlap in ligand affinities for these two receptor subfamilies. Classic hallucinogenic drugs like lysergic acid diethylamide act as full or partial agonists for this receptor. So partial or full agonism for this receptor occurs with drugs classic hallucinogenic drugs like lysergic acid diethylamide. The lack of type and subtype selectivity coupled with strong hallucinogenic potential has limited the use of 5-HT2A agonists. Okay, so 5-HT2A receptor antagonists and N-alkylpyridines constitute a major class of selective 5-HT2A antagonists. Best known examples are ketanserin, ritanserin, etc. These agents belonging to this class in general exhibit greater receptor selectivity for 5-HT2A slash 2C. So ketanserin is used for its antihypertensive properties. Ritanserin was investigated for the treatment of schizophrenia. So atypical antipsychotics such as risperidone, used for schizophrenia and bipolar disorder treatment, clozapine, used for schizophrenia and anti-suicidal drug, and olanzapine, schizophrenia and bipolar treatment, also exhibit 5-HT2A antagonist properties. Unlike typical antipsychotics, these newer compounds have a lower tendency to exhibit extrapyramidal side effects such as tardive dyskinesia, so stiff, uncontrolled body movements. Tricyclic antidepressants also are antagonists for 5-HT2A. So let's keep going. 5-HT2B and 5-HT2C receptor subfamilies. 5-HT2B receptors are present in the CNS and cardiovascular system. They are known to cause pulmonary vasoconstriction. Many ligands that bind to 5-HT2B receptor also bind to 5-HT receptors, and there is no approved drug that specifically targets 5-HT2B signaling. 5-HT2C receptors, so at this, to date, at this, at, at the point of this reading, there was none that was seen by uh, myself and or the person who wrote this, these set notes. The 5-HT2C receptors play a role in regulation of mood, anxiety, and feeding, etc. So lorcasserin is a 5-HT2C selective agonist that has been approved as a weight loss drug. And common side effects include headache, side effects like depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, also uncommon, have been reported for, although uncommon, have been reported for lorcasserin. Okay, 5-HT3 receptor family. So here we have the ligand-gated ion channel selected for sodium cations and potassium cations and not GPCRs. Its structure is comprised of five subunits around a central ion conducting pore permeable to sodium, potassium, and calcium ions. Biomology is closely related to nicotinic acetylcholine receptor. So homology common ancestor. So agonist activation leads to 
the activation of the nausea and vomiting center in the brain stem. When activated, these receptors are also reported to cause seizures. 5-HG3 antagonists have also been used as anti-emetic agents. These agents not only improve the quality of life, they also allow for the increasing dosing. So increasing, they also allow for increasing the dose intensity of many chemotherapeutic agents, increasing the response rates for anti-cancer treatments. Patients taking paclitaxel, cyclophosphamide, and 5-FU, the 5-fluorouracil, and other emesis-prone drugs are often pre-dosed with anti-emetic agents. So, 5-HT3 receptor antagonists. Bemestron was identified as one of the first 5-HT3 selective antagonists. Many agents belonging to this class contain tropane or a tropane-like nucleus bearing a basic amine. Tropicitron, so an antiemetic, and ricacitron, anxiolytic, zatocitron, anti-nausea compound with anxiolytic properties, are examples of tropane containing 5-HT3 antagonists. Ondansetron and renzapride, both antiemetic compounds during cancer chemotherapy, gastroenteritis, etc. Palo. Palonosetron, chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting, are examples of non-tropane-containing 5-HG3 antagonists. Regardless of the presence or absence of the tropane ring, all of these compounds possess at least one set of protonation. Renzapride is also a full 5-HG4 agonist and 5-HT2B antagonist. Okay, so 5-HT4 receptor. It belongs to the GPCR superfamily. It is a coupled, it is coupled with GS agonist resulting, excuse me. It belongs to the GPCR superfamily. It is coupled with GS agonist. Activation results in increased intracellular cyclic AMP, so cyclic adenosine monophosphate levels, primarily located in the CNS, gastrointestinal tract, urinary bladder, heart, etc. 5-HT4 agonists include cisapride, mosapride, brucolopride, and renzapride. Okay, 5-HT4 receptor. Cisapride increases the motility of the upper GI tract and is used to enhance gastric emptying. Serious side effects include drug-induced arrhythmia. Mosapride promotes gastric emptying and is used for the treatment of gastro- esophageal reflux disease, GERD, irritable bowel syndrome, etc. Brucolopride is used for the colonic motility, mobility. Brucolopride is used for the colonic mobility. It does not induce arrhythmias. Zacopride, renzopride, and mosopride are also 5-HG3 antagonists. Zacopride displays anxiolytic properties at the therapeutic dose. Structurally, all of these compounds contain a primary aralamine as part of an aniline or dihydrobenzofuran ring. So 5-HT4 receptor agonists and antagonists. So 5-HT4 receptor agonists. Tegaserod was introduced as a 5-HT4 agonist. 
for the treatment of irritable bowel syndrome, but was later withdrawn after reports of increased heart attack and stroke. It is also a 5-HT2B receptor antagonist. 5-HT4 receptor antagonist. Fibosterod was developed for the treatment of atrial fibrillation, AFib. The drug was also developed as a potential therapy for heart failure. 5-HT5-7 through receptors. 5-HT5 receptors are predominantly found in the brain and are further subdivided into 5-HT5A and 5-HT5B receptor subfamilies. So 5-carboxamidotryptophan is a non-selective agonist for this receptor. One more time. 5-carboxamidotryptophan is a non-selective agonist for this receptor. 5-HT6 receptor is present in CNS and plays a role in motor control, emotional stability, cognition, and memory. So 5-HT6 antagonists have been shown to reduce appetite and promote weight loss. 5-HT7 receptor is found in the central nervous system and in the cardiovascular system. It is involved in thermoregulation, circadian rhythm, learning, and memory. It is also investigated as a target for depression. So, serotonin reuptake transporter. Serotonin, re- serotonin transporter, CERT or 5-HTT. Is a monoamine transporter protein that transports serotonin from the synaptic cleft to the presynaptic neuron. It belongs to the monoamine transporter protein family. CERT regulates the duration and magnitude of the postsynaptic response to 5-HT and allows the body to reuse, to reuse serotonin and prevents the need for constant biosynthesis. CERT comprises of 12 transmembrane helices. Both amine and carboxytermini are present intracellularly. It exhibits 50% homology with norepinephrine reuptake transporter and dopamine, dopamine transporter, etc. So serotonin reuptake transporter. Serotonin reuptake transporter is an attractive target for drug development. Agents that block cert, so serotonin reuptake transporter increase the synaptic resonance of 5-HT and are used for the treatment of a variety of, a variety of disorders such as depression, Obsessive compulsive disorders, panic disorders, and anxiety. Tricyclic antidepressants such as amitriptyline serve as non selective blockers for CERT and NET. Their active metabolites may also block CERT and NET with varying degrees of selectivity. Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors are much more selective for CERT over NET and lack most of the activity at other receptors as seen in tricyclic antidepressants. Examples of this class include fluoxetine, peroxetine, fluvoxamine, cetraline, acetalopram, trazodone, etc. Agents such as vilazodone act directly on 5-HT receptors, so 5-HT1A agonists, and also and are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Peroxidine Paxil is used as an antidepressant for the treatment of major depressive disorder, social anxiety disorder, panic disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, etc. Common side effects include drowsiness, dry mouth, trouble sleeping, asthenia, so general weakness, sexual dysfunction, loss of libido, erectile dysfunction, etc. In general, these class of compounds possess at least two hour rings and... Sites of protonation. 
in general, excuse me, general class plus at least two hour wings. Chemically, peroxidine is a peroxidine is a secondary amine containing compound and it contains four rings. Okay, fluoxidine, so Prozac, is used for similar conditions as peroxidine. In addition, it is also used to treat binge eating disorder. Common side effects are similar to peroxidine. In addition, this drug is reported to cause discontinuation syndrome. Rapid discontinuation of therapy causes dizziness, disturbances, imbalance, tinging, numbness, electrical shock-like sensations, etc. Fluoxetine and other SSRIs when taken with mal may cause serotonin syndrome. Symptoms include fever, agitation, diarrhea, seizures, muscle weakness, etc. Thus, these drugs are contraindicated in patients taking mal inhibitors. So when taking, excuse me, fluoxetine and other selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors when taken with mal inhibitors may cause serotonin syndrome. These symptoms include fever, agitation, diarrhea, seizures, muscle weakness, etc. Thus, these drugs are contraindicated in patients taking mal inhibitors. Fluoxetine is a CYP2D6 inhibitor and in some cases is contraindicated in dextromethorphan containing cold and cough medications. It blocks dextromethorphan metabolism. So selective, not selective, serotonin reuptake transporter. So, uh, Serotonin, we're focusing on the serotonin reuptake transporters. Trazodone is indicated as an antidepressant for the treatment of major depressive disorder, anxiety disorders, and also to treat alcohol dependence. Unlike peroxidine, the drug does not display anticholinergic side effects. Instead, it is used to report it is reported to cause fainting, increase in suicidal thoughts, cause arrhythmias, etc. Overdose may lead to serotonin syndrome discussed previously. Okay, Velazodone is a, both a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor and a 5-HT1A agonist. It does not display strong affinity for other serotonin receptors and selective for serotonin reuptake transporters versus norepinephrine transporters or dopamine transporters. Nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, dry mouth are common symptoms. Paresthesia, so tingling, pricking, numbness, etc. are also reported. When overdose, the drug is known to cause serotonin syndrome. Okay, so that's the end of the serotonin segment. Ladies and gentlemen, today we are going to delve into a series of pharmacy problems that involve altering the strength of pharmaceutical products and various methods to calculate the required changes. I hope to make these calculations, which may seem daunting at first, more accessible and comprehensible. Problem 1, strengthening a cough syrup Let's start with a problem related to strengthening a cough syrup. If we have a cough syrup with 1 mg of chlorpheniramine maleate in each teaspoonful and we want to double its strength without changing the volume, how much additional chlorpheniramine maleate do we need to add? 
to double the strength, we need to add 12 mg of chlorpheniramine maleate to a 60 ml container of the syrup. This is a straightforward problem of adding the required amount of the active ingredient to achieve the desired strength. Problem 2, modifying Sphioximaxatil suspension In the next case, a pharmacist receives a prescription for a Sphioximaxatil suspension containing 300 mg of the drug in each 5 ml, and needs to modify an existing suspension of 250 mg forward slash 5 ml. The goal is to calculate how many tablets should be pulverized and added to reach the desired strength assuming there's no change in the volume of the suspension. However, upon inspection, the pharmacist finds that the volume of the modified suspension is 102 ml, and the drug strength is 294.1 mg forward slash 5 ml instead of the desired 300 mg forward slash 5 ml. We need to figure out how to correct this. Problem 3, Stock Solutions Now, let's explore the concept of stock solutions. Stock solutions are highly concentrated solutions used to prepare solutions of lesser concentration for convenience. We'll work on two example calculations, one determining how many milliliters of a 10% W forward slash V stock solution are needed to prepare one gallon of a 0.05% W forward slash V solution. Two figuring out how many milliliters of a 1% W forward slash V stock solution of a red dye are required to prepare 4000 ml of a mouthwash with a concentration of 1 colon 20 comma 000 W forward slash V. These calculations are crucial in pharmacy, especially when precise concentrations are required for various applications. Problem 4, Allegation Methods Now, let's move on to allegation, a method for mixing solutions or mixtures of solids with different percentage strengths. We'll focus on two types, allegation medial and allegation alternate. Allegation medial example, what's the percentage of zinc oxide in an ointment when we mix 200 g of a 10% ointment, 50 g of a 20% ointment? and 100 g of a 5% ointment. Allegation alternate example, in what proportion should alcohols of 95% and 50% strengths be mixed to make 70% alcohol? These methods are essential for pharmacists to calculate the required quantities of ingredients to reach the desired concentration in mixtures of varying strengths. Problem 5 specific gravity calculations lastly we'll explore the calculations involving the specific gravity of mixtures specific gravity is the density of a substance relative to the density of water we'll work on an example what's the specific gravity of a mixture containing water glycerin and an elixir with specific gravity values of 1.300 1.250 and 0.950, respectively. Specific gravity calculations are vital in pharmacy, especially when mixing different liquids with varying densities. These problems may seem complex, but with a deep understanding of the underlying principles and methods, we can confidently tackle them. 
That's why it's important to practice these calculations and master them to excel in the field of pharmacy. Thank you for your attention, and I hope this lecture has been informative and helpful. Ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to delve into the fascinating world of pharmaceutical calculations, with a focus on altering strength, stock solutions, and allegation calculations. These are vital skills for pharmacists and pharmaceutical professionals, as they allow us to prepare and adjust various formulations, ensuring that patients receive the correct medications in the right concentrations. We'll tackle each problem step by step, following the legacy of precision and care exemplified by the great scientists and chemists who have paved the way for our profession. Problem 1. Preparing medicated water We have a farm product containing a 12.5% W forward slash V concentrate of diamulin hydrogen fumarate. To create medicated water with 227 mg of diamulin hydrogen fumarate per gallon, we need to find out how many gallons we can prepare from a liter of concentrate. First, let's calculate the amount of diamulin hydrogen fumarate in 1 liter of concentrate, 12.5% of 1000 ml, 1 liter, equals 125 g next. We need to determine how many gallons the 125 g will medicate. Since 1 gallon is approximately 3.78541 liters, we can use this to find our answer, 125 g forward slash, 227 mg forward slash gallon, equals 125 g forward slash 0.227 g forward slash gallon almost equal to 549.34 gallons so, you can prepare approximately 549 gallons of medicated water from 1 liter of concentrate. Now, let's proceed to the next problem, problem 2. Concentration of azelic acid We are asked to calculate the final concentration of azelic acid after adding 12 g of it to 50 g of an ointment containing 15% azelic acid. First, calculate the amount of azelic acid in the ointment, 15% of 50 g equals 0.1550 g equals 7.5 g now, add the 12 g of azelic acid. 7.5 g plus 12 g equals 19.5 g to find the final concentration. Divide this total amount by the total weight of the ointment, 19.5 g forward slash, 50 g plus 12 g, equals 19.5 g forward slash 62 g almost equal to 0.3145 or 31.45% The final concentration of azelic acid in the ointment is approximately 31.45%. Let's move on to the next problem. Problem 3. Dilution of solution We have 400 ml of a 20% W forward slash V solution that needs to be diluted to 2 L. We want to find the final percentage strength. First, calculate the amount of solute, active ingredient, in the initial 400 ml solution. 20% of 400 ml equals 0.20 400 ml equals 80 ml now. 
Calculate the final percentage strength after dilution, 80 ml, solute, forward slash 2000 ml, total volume. 100% almost equal to 4% the final percentage strength is approximately 4%. Let's continue with the next problem, problem 4, preparing mupirocin ointment we need to determine how many grams of a polyethylene glycol ointment base must be mixed with a 22g tube of Bactroban ointment, 2% W forward slash W, to prepare a concentration of 5 mg forward slash G. First, calculate the total amount of mupirocin needed, 5 mg forward slash g, 2 mg forward slash g, total grams of ointment equals 3 mg forward slash g total grams of ointment next, set up the equation, 3 mg forward slash g total grams of ointment equals 22 g, Bactroban ointment, now, solve for the total grams of ointment needed. Total grams of ointment equals 22 G forward slash 3 mg forward slash G, almost equal to 7,333.33 G. So, you would need approximately 7,333.33 G of the polyethylene glycol ointment base to mix with the 22 G tube of Bactroban ointment. Let's move on to the next problem, problem 5. Preparing progesterone gel we need to determine how many grams of an 8% W forward slash W progesterone gel must be mixed with 1.45 G of a 4% W forward slash W progesterone gel to prepare a 5.5% W forward slash W gel. First, calculate the amount of progesterone in the 5.5% W forward slash W gel. 5.5% of x grams equals 0.055x now set up the equation 0.08x from the 8% gel plus 0.041.45g from the 4% gel equals 0.055x solve for x 0.08x plus 0.058g equals 0.055x 0.08x 0.055x equals 0.058g 0.025x equals 0.058g x equals 0.058g forward slash 0.025 almost equal to 2.32g so you would need approximately 2.32 G of the 8% W forward slash W progesterone gel. I'll be addressing the remaining problems in subsequent responses. Stay tuned for more pharmaceutical calculations. Ladies and gentlemen, today we will delve into the intriguing world of pharmaceutical calculations and the fascinating realm of strength, stock solutions, and allegation calculations. Our journey will be akin to deciphering complex chemical equations, where precision and accuracy are paramount. As the new chemist, I shall guide you through each problem step by step, elucidating the solutions along the way. 1. Preparing medicated water from concentrate, we begin with the question of how many gallons of medicated water can be prepared from a liter of concentrate. To determine this, 
we must consider the desired final concentration of tiamulin hydrogen fumarate, which is 227 mg per gallon. This problem involves simple dilution calculations. To calculating final concentration, our next question pertains to determining the final concentration of azelic acid in an ointment after adding a specific amount of pure azelic acid to an existing ointment. This problem is resolved through straightforward calculations. 3. Dilution of a solution. In question 3, we are presented with a scenario involving the dilution of a 20% W forward slash V solution to achieve a final desired concentration. We shall utilize the principles of dilution and the relationship between the initial and final volume. For preparing an ointment with specific concentration, this challenge involves determining the quantity of an ointment base to mix with a given amount of a 2% W forward slash W mu pyrocin ointment to achieve a specific concentration. The concept of concentration plays a pivotal role here. 5. Mixing progesterone gels. In question 5, we explore the art of mixing two progesterone gels to create a gel with a specified concentration. The key is to balance the quantities of the two gels to reach the desired strength. 6. Preparing different concentrations. This problem deals with mixing different concentrations of chlorhexidine gluconate to create a more dilute product. Simple allegation principles are employed in this solution. 7. Combining creams of different concentrations. In the world of pharmaceutical compounding, Question 7 requires us to calculate the quantities of a 1% W forward slash W hydrocortisone cream and a cream base to obtain the desired concentration. The principle of dilution shall guide our path. 8. Preparation of a solution with changed strength. To prepare a solution with a specific concentration, one must add a precise volume of water to an existing 20% W forward slash V solution. The allegation method is our trusted ally in this endeavor. 9. Ratio strength in a dilution. The task at hand in question 9 is to determine the ratio strength of a diluted 10% W forward slash V povidone iodine solution after adding purified water. Basic concentration and dilution principles are our tools. 10. Preparation of boric acid solution. Here. We shall calculate the volume needed to create a 150W forward slash V boric acid solution from a 5% W forward slash V stock solution. The concept of dilution will be our guide. These are just the first 10 problems we've tackled, but the world of pharmaceutical calculations is vast and intricate. As we continue, we will encounter further challenges such as determining the correct proportions for mixing, diluting, and changing the strength of various pharmaceutical preparations. Stay tuned for the next part of our journey through these intriguing calculations. Ladies and gentlemen, today we embark on a journey into the fascinating world of pharmaceutical calculations, a realm where numbers and ratios hold the key to precision in our practice. I am the new chemist, and I am delighted to guide you through the intricate concepts of density, 
specific gravity, and their applications in the pharmaceutical field. Density, as we know, is the measure of mass per unit volume. In pharmaceutical terms, we often express it as grams per cubic centimeter, g forward slash cc, or grams per milliliter, g forward slash ml, given that 1 ml equates to 1 cc. This allows us to relate the density of substances to the density of water, which is our reference standard at 1 g forward slash ml. To calculate density, we simply divide mass by volume. For instance, if we have 10 ml of sulfuric acid weighing 18 grams, its density is 18 g forward slash 10 ml or 1.8 g forward slash ml. Specific gravity, on the other hand, is a relative value, representing the weight of a substance in comparison to the weight of an equal volume of a standard substance, both at the same temperature. In our pharmaceutical world, water typically serves as the standard for liquids and solids. The most relevant standard for gases is hydrogen. To calculate specific gravity, we divide the weight of the substance by the weight of an equal volume of water. For example, if 10 ml of sulfuric acid weighs 18 g and 10 ml of water under the same conditions weigh 10 g, the specific gravity of the acid is 18 g forward slash 10 g, which simplifies to 1.8. Substances with specific gravity less than 1 are lighter than water, while those with greater than 1 are heavier. This principle is invaluable in understanding the relative densities of substances. Now, density is a concrete value, expressed in units such as g forward slash ml, while specific gravity is an abstract number, devoid of dimension and constant for each substance, like water, which consistently holds a specific gravity of 1. In pharmaceutical practice, we often express specific gravity to two decimal places, aligning with the United States Pharmacopeia as recommendations. These values are typically based on data at 25 degrees Celsius, except for alcohol, which is calculated at 15.56 degrees Celsius by government regulation. Let's explore the use of specific gravity in practical calculations. You can convert weight to volume and vice versa using specific gravity. For instance, if we have 50 ml of a liquid with a specific gravity of 1.2, it will weigh 1.2 times as much as an equal volume of water, which would weigh 50 g. Hence, the liquid would weigh 60 g. We can also calculate volume knowing the weight and specific gravity, and vice versa, thanks to the magic of specific gravity. In the pharmaceutical realm, specific gravity finds valuable application in automated compounders for parenteral nutrition preparations. It's a crucial factor in determining the final volume of a mixture based on weight divided by the specific gravity. And, in the clinical setting, specific gravity is an essential parameter in urinalysis. It offers insights into the concentration of urine particles and a patient's hydration level. Now, as we delve into the provided calculations, I encourage you to approach each problem systematically, leveraging the principles of density and specific gravity.
These calculations underpin pharmaceutical practice, ensuring the precision and reliability of our formulations and, ultimately, the safety of patients. So, my fellow pharmaceutical enthusiasts, let's embark on this intellectual voyage, using the power of numbers to unlock the secrets of our profession, and as you do, remember the wise words of Antoine Lavoisier, in nature, nothing is created, nothing is lost, everything changes. Yo, gather round, I'm bout to drop some knowledge on this track, pharmaceutical calculations, we ain't ever looking back, I'm the new chemist, your guide through this precision game, density, specific gravity, in numbers we find our aim. Density's mass divided by volume, that's the way we roll, grams per cubic centimeter, it's just science, take control, we use grams per milliliter, cause 1 ml equals 1 cc, water's our reference standard, it's as easy as can be. So when we got 10 ml of sulfuric acid, we gotta find the score, weighing 18 grams, our density's 1.8, now we know the score, specific gravity's up next, it's a ratio, can't you see, comparing substance to standard, like water or hydrogen, that's the key. So, 10 ml of sulfuric acid, weighing 18 grams on the floor, with 10 ml of water, under the same conditions, weigh in 10g, no more, the specific gravity's 1.8, it's all relative, you know the deal, less than 1, you're lighter than water, more than 1, you pack more appeal. Now, density's concrete, g forward slash ml, it's a straightforward ride, specific gravity, no dimension, a constant by your side, two decimal places, for pharmaceutical math we strive, Based on data at 25 degrees Celsius, sept alcohol, it's gotta stay alive. Now, let's get practical, with specific gravity in the mix, convert weight to volume, and back, it's the magic fix, 50 ml of liquid, specific gravity 1.2, here's the drill, it'll weigh 1.2 times an equal volume of water, now you chill. You can calculate volume, weight. It's a versatile skill, use the power of specific gravity, go in for the kill, automated compounders, precision in every creation, weight divided by specific gravity, that's the foundation. In the clinical scene, urinalysis is the name of the game, specific gravity tells us if it's normal or a different frame, 1.020 to 1.028, that's the range we adore concentration and hydration, it tells us so much more. So, as we tackle these calculations, let's stay true, leverage density and specific gravity, it's what we do, in pharmaceutical practice, our formulas we refine, with precision, safety, and reliability, we always shine. Now go out there, my pharmaceutical peeps, and seize the day, use these principles, the new chemist way, and remember what Antoine Lavoisier once declared, in nature, nothing's lost or created, everything's shared. Chapter 1, A Breath of Relief in the Bustling City of Farmerville, where every corner store carried the promise of a cure, there lived a young woman named Sarah who depended on a variety of medicines to manage her asthma. 
Each day, she'd venture into the labyrinthine world of brand names and generic names, seeking the right inhaler to ease her wheezing breaths. Generic name, albuterol brand names, Proventil, Proair, and Ventolin the journey began with a rescue inhaler, a short-acting beta-agonist bronchodilator. Albuterol, known by many as Proventil, Proair, or Ventolin, was her steadfast companion in times of acute distress. It was the medicine that made her breathing easier, like a gentle breeze on a hot summer day. Generic name, Bitolerol brand name, Tornalita Sarah continued her quest, she discovered another short-acting bronchodilator called Bitolerol. It was like a ray of hope, offering quick relief, tucked under the name Tornalit. Generic name, Ephedrine Amidst the maze of medications, Sarah found Ephedrine, a name echoing with a sense of ancient herbal wisdom. It was simple and unadorned, yet effective. Generic name, Epinephrine brand name, Adrenaline or Primatin Mist Epinephrine, also known as Adrenaline, or Primatin Mist, was a name that sent shivers down her spine, quite literally. It was the medicine she reserved for emergencies, like a superhero swooping in to save the day. Generic name, Livalbutrol brand name, Xenopex Sarah stumbled upon Livalbutrol, wearing the intriguing title Xenopex, a name as exotic as the relief it provided. Generic name, Metaprotenol brand name, Alupent Metaprotenol, the modest yet effective Alupent, was a name that whispered comfort like an old friend. Generic name, Pabutrol brand name, Maxair Pabutrol, also known as Maxair, was like a calming breeze in the storm of asthma, providing solace with each puff. Generic name, Tarbutaline brand names, Brether or Brethine Tarbutaline, known as Brether or Brethine, was the medicine that allowed Sarah to breathe easy, like a gentle sigh of relief. Chapter 2, The Perfect Harmony Generic Name Albuterol forward slash ipratropium brand name, combivalent the day came when Sarah's physician prescribed her a combination short-acting bronchodilator albuterol forward slash ipratropium, conveniently named combivalent. It was the harmony of two ingredients in one, offering a symphony of relief. Chapter 3, A Breath Beyond Generic Name, Formotrol brand name. Foradil long-acting beta-adrenergic bronchodilators like Formotrol, in their regal Foradil attire, promised a breath that extended beyond the ordinary. Generic name, Indacatrol brand name, Arcapta Indacatrol, the guardian of airways, stood tall as Arcapta, warding off breathlessness. Generic name, Olidatorol brand name, Strivadi Olidatorol, a true visionary sought to lead Sarah towards a life filled with the strivings of breath well taken. Generic name, Solmitrol brand name, Serevent Solmitrol, also known as Serevent, was a sentinel of calmness in the turbulent world of asthma. Chapter 4, Musings of the Lungs Generic name, Aclidinium brand name, Tudorza Sarah ventured into the realm of long-acting antimuscariac bronchodilators where Aclidinium was a soothing companion, known as Tudorza. Generic name, Sheotropium brand name, Spireva Sheotropium, bearing the name Spireva, 
was the guide to serenity, ensuring Sarah's lungs danced to a tranquil tune. Generic name, Eumiclidinium brand name, Incruz Eumiclidinium, known as Incruz, opened the gates to unbridled breath, where every inhalation was an increase in life. Generic name, Glicopyrolate brand name, Lonela Magna Glicopyrolate, donning the mystique of Lonela Magna, was a name reminiscent of elegance and relief in harmony. Generic name, Ravenfanasin brand name, Upelri Ravenfanasin, the bearer of the name Upelri, whispered the promise of rejuvenation with every dose. Chapter 5, The Healing Mist Generic name, Montelu cast brand name, Singular turning her attention to Lacotrian inhibitors, Sarah found Montelu cast, known as Singular, a name that sounded like a song of hope in the darkest of nights. Generic name, Zafirlu cast brand name, Accolate Zafirlu cast, the silent guardian named Accolate, offered refuge against the storms that raged in her chest. Generic name, Ziluton brand name, Ziflocia Ziluton cloaked as Ziflosia, was a name that resonated with control and relief. Chapter 6, The Melody of Lungs Generic Name, Defilin Brand Names, Dilla, Dilix, and Lufalin Defilin was the medicine that brought melody to Sarah's lungs. It had the aliases of Dilla, Dilix, and Lufalin, each name singing a different verse of relief. Generic Name, Roflumalast Brand Name, Dalirisp Proflumalast, under the title Dalirisp, was like the conductor of a soothing symphony, orchestrating each breath. Generic name, Theophylline brand names, Elixophylline, Slophylline, Unifil, Theodia, and Theo24 Theophylline was the medley of breath, with numerous names like Elixophylline, Slophylline, Unifil, Theodia, and Theo24 each brand name adding its unique note to the composition. Chapter 7, The Elixir of Life Generic Name, Omalit Sumab Brand Name, Xola, Subcutaneous, Sarah discovered the Elixir of Life in the form of Omalit Sumab, a monoclonal antibody known as Xola, offering subcutaneous salvation. Generic Name, Benralizumab Brand Name, Facenra, Subcutaneous Every 8 Weeks, Benralizumab, with the name Facenra, brought the promise of relief every 38. Name the short-acting beta-agonist bronchodilators in their generic names and brand names, generic, 1-albuterol is the generic name, and the brand name is Proventil, Proair, and Ventolin. 2-bitolerol is the generic name, and brand name is Tonalate. 3-ephedrine is the generic name. 4-epinephrine is the generic name, adrenaline or primate and mist is the brand name. 5-livalbutrol is the generic name and xenopex is the brand name. 6-metaprotenol is the generic name, and alupant is the brand name. 7-perbutrol is the generic and mixer is the generic. 8-tarbutaline is the generic and brether and or brethine is the brand name. 39 What is the brand and generic name of a combination short-acting bronchodilator? Albuterol forward slash ipratropium is the generic name and the brand name is combivalent. 40 What is the brand and generic name long-acting beta-adrenergic bronchodilators? 
One formotrol is the generic name and the brand name is Foradil. Two indacatrol is the generic name and Arcapta is the brand name. Three oladaterol is the generic name and Strivadi is the brand name. Four dot sormitrol is the generic name and Serevant is the brand name. Five Vilantrol is the generic name. 41 Watt is the generic and brand name for the long-acting antimuscariac bronchodilators. 1 Aclidinium is the generic name and Tudorza is the brand name. 2 Sheotropium is the generic name, and Spireva is the brand name. 3 Umiclidinium is the generic name, and Incruz is the brand name. 4 Glicopyrolate is the generic name, and Lonela Magna is the brand name. 5 Ravenfenacin is the generic name, and Upelri is the brand name. 42 What are the brand and generic names for aerosol corticosteroids? 1 Biclomethasone is the generic name, and Kva, Biclovent and Vanceril are the brand names. 2 Budisonide is the generic name, and Pulmicort is the brand name. 3 Cyclesnide is the generic name, and Alvesco is the brand. 3 Forward Slash 4 Pharmacy School First 10 Weeks 4 Momotazone is the generic name, and Asmanex is the brand name. 5 Flunisolide is the generic name, and Aerobid, and Aerospan is the brand name. 6 Fluticasone Propreonate is the generic name, and Flovent is the brand name. 7 Tramacinolone is the generic name, and Asmacort is the brand name. 43 What are the brand names and generic names of combination inhalers? 1 Formotrol forward slash Budisonide are the generic names and Symbacort is the brand name. 2 Formotrol forward slash Momotazone are the generic names and Dulara is the brand name. 3 Sormitrol forward slash Fluticasone Propionate are the generic names and Adver is the brand name. 4 Vilantrol forward slash Fluticasone Furote are the generic names and Brio Ellipta is the brand name. 5 Vilantrol forward slash Umiclidinium are the generic names, and Anero is the brand name. 44 What are the generic and brand names of Lacotrian inhibitors? 1 Montelukast is the generic name and Singular is the brand name. 2 Zafirlukast is the generic name, and Accolate is brand game. 3 Zilutone is the generic name, and CR is the brand name. 45 What are the brand names and generic names of phosphodiesterase inhibitors and methylxanthines? 1 Dufilin is the generic name, and Dilla, Dilix and Lufalin are the brand name. 2 Roflumalast is the generic name, and Dalirisp is the brand name. 3 Theophylline is the generic name, and Elixophylin, Slophylin, Unifil, Theodia, Theo24 are the brand names. 46 What are the generic names and brand names of monoclonal antibodies? 1.Omalitsumab is the generic name, and Xolair, Subcutaneous, is the brand name. 2.Benrelizumab is the generic name, and Facenera, Subcutaneous every 8 weeks, is the brand name. 3.Mepolitsumab is the generic name and Nucala, Subcutaneous, is the brand name. 4-Reslitsumab is the generic name, and Syncare, Intravenous, is the brand name. 
5. Duplimumab is the generic name, and Dupixent, subcutaneous, is the brand name. In the bustling world of pharmacy school, the first 10 weeks were always a whirlwind of information and learning. Students delved into the complex realm of pharmaceuticals, memorizing drug names, their indications, and the nuances of their mechanisms of action. For Sarah, a diligent student with a passion for pharmacology, these weeks were both exhilarating and challenging. As the virtual lectures streamed in, she diligently clicked on the link to the Quizit page, which served as a repository of knowledge for the course. Each drug and its properties were like puzzle pieces in the grand mosaic of patient care, and she was determined to master them all. Week 1 brought her to Epiodin, also known as Epigen, Procrit, and Reticrit. This drug was a lifeline for patients battling anemia due to cancer chemotherapy. With careful study, she understood how it worked and its importance in cancer treatment. Erythromycin, a powerful antibiotic used for bacterial infections, was her focus in week 2. The drug's mechanism of action fascinated her, as it targeted harmful bacteria, sparing the human cells. Escitalopram, or Lexapro, used for depression, occupied her thoughts in week 3. She delved into the complexities of mental health and how this drug could provide relief to those in emotional distress. In week 4, Sarah learned about Esomeprazole, sold under the brand name Nexium. This medication was a crucial tool in the fight against Heliobacter pylori a bacterial infection causing gastrointestinal distress. Estradiol oral, marketed as estrace, took her into the realms of hormonal regulation in week 5. It had applications in addressing vasomotor dysfunction and atrophic conditions in the vagina or vulva. Week 6 brought her to esopician, commonly known as Lunsta, a savior for insomniacs. She pondered how a tiny pill could grant people the gift of sleep. The subsequent weeks were a whirlwind of knowledge, from adenecrept for ankylosing spondylositis to ethanyl estradiol and adenogestrol ring for contraception. She navigated her way through the maze of medications, all the while keeping a close eye on drug interactions, contraindications, and patient-specific considerations. As the weeks progressed, Sarah developed an affinity for the complexities of pharmaceutical science. She also became adept at answering questions like which drug inhibits enzymes irreversibly, aspirin, and what may cause myocardial infarction as one of its adverse drug reactions, ibuprofen. Her proficiency shone through when asked. If a child has RISE syndrome, then which NSAID should be avoided? She knew the answer was aspirin. In her spare time, Sarah often contemplated the various mechanisms of action for NSAIDs, which were her favorites. She understood that these drugs inhibited COX enzymes, 
leading to a cascade of effects that included anti-inflammatory, analgesic, and antipyretic properties. The weeks were a whirlwind of studying, but Sarah remained dedicated. As she entered week 29, she learned to make real-world decisions. The scenario of a patient who had undergone an ophthalmic surgery a month ago and presented with swelling and pain in the eye prompted her to prescribe diclofenac. Week 30 was about understanding the nuances of aspirin. Sarah knew that a low dose could retain uric acid, while a high dose increased its excretion. The half-life, side effects, and mechanisms intrigued her. Week 31, Sarah dealt with a 65-year-old man diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. She knew that meloxicam was a suitable prescription for his condition. By week 33, she could list three contraindications for aspirin. Peptic ulcers, pregnancy, and hemophilia were on her list. In week 36, she was presented with a complex case involving a patient suffering from congestive heart failure. She knew that taking NSAIDs could result in increased fluid retention, making the patient's condition worse. As the weeks passed, Sarah learned about various bronchodilators, corticosteroids, and other medications used in respiratory care. She also became well-versed in the world of asthma and how to treat it. The curriculum introduced her to the world of leukotriene inhibitors, long-acting antimuscarinic bronchodilators, phosphodiesterase inhibitors, methylxanthines, and monoclonal antibodies. She found these topics particularly intriguing, as they offered innovative solutions for various respiratory conditions. By the end of her 10 weeks, Sarah had become a well-rounded, knowledgeable student. Her passion for pharmaceuticals had grown, and she looked forward to the exciting journey that pharmacy school had in store for her. The first 10 weeks were just the beginning of a lifetime of learning and helping patients lead healthier lives. Title, Pharmacy School Chronicles a journey through medicines once upon a time, in the bustling city of Medvali, a group of aspiring pharmacists embarked on their 10-week journey through pharmacy school. The students were eager to dive into the world of medicines and discover the secrets behind those intriguing brand names and their corresponding indications. Week 1, The Mystery of E. Piotin Professor Williams started the course by introducing the students to a drug called Epiodin, which went by the brand names Epigen, Procrit, and Reticrit. It was used to treat anemia caused by cancer chemotherapy. The class was abuzz with excitement as they began their journey into the intricate world of pharmaceuticals. Week 2, Unveiling Erythromycin, Erythromycin known for its brand name erythrocin, was the focus of the second week. The students delved into the details of this antibiotic, understanding its role in treating bacterial infections. It was a week of microbiology and a fascinating exploration of how a single medicine could combat various bacterial foes. Week 3, 
Esitaloprams healing touch. As the third week commenced, the class discovered the wonders of Esitalopram, commonly sold as Lexapro. They learned how this medication was used to help patients struggling with depression, providing a glimmer of hope and improved mental health. Week 4, The Power of Esomeprazole In the fourth week, the spotlight shifted to Esomeprazole, widely recognized as Nexium. The students were intrigued by its role in eradicating Heliobacter pylori infections in the gastrointestinal tract. They realized that medicines not only treated symptoms but also targeted the root cause of illnesses. Week 5, Estradiol's Feminine Touch, Estradiol Oral, known as Estrace, took center stage in week 5. The students explored its various indications, from addressing vasomotor dysfunction to soothing discomfort in the vagina or vulva. They gained a deeper appreciation for the breadth of medicine's applications. Week 6, Unlocking the Secrets of Esopiclone Week 6 was all about Esopiclone, branded as Lunsta. The students learned how it provided relief to those battling insomnia. They marveled at the idea that a small pill could usher in a peaceful night's sleep. Week 7, Conquering Ankylosing Spondylitis with Adenercept, the seventh week brought them to the world of immunology, focusing on Adenercept, marketed as Inbril and Aralzy. The class discovered its efficacy in treating Ankylosing Spondylitis, a condition they hadn't heard of before. The world of pharmaceuticals was expanding their horizons. Week 8, Ethanyl Estradiol and Adenogestrol Ring for Contraception Week 8 was a crash course in contraception, as the students delved into Ethanyl Estradiol and Adenogestrol Ring, better known as Nuva Ring. They understood the importance of family planning and its role in women's health. Week 9 Tackling pain with Etidolac, Etidolac, branded as Lodine, was the star of Week 9, where the students learned about its wide-ranging applications in managing general pain. They appreciated the role of medications in improving the quality of life for many. Week 10, The Final Revelation, Exonatide and Beyond, as the tenth week dawned. The students delved into the intricate world of exonatide, which came in the forms of biota and bigerion, primarily used to manage diabetes mellitus type 2. Their journey through pharmacy school had come full circle, revealing the power of medicines to transform lives. The students of Medvali Pharmacy School left their 10-week course with newfound knowledge and a profound understanding of the significance of medicines in the world of healthcare. They were eager to embark on their future careers, armed with the wisdom and insights gained during their educational journey. Title: Pharmacy School Chronicles: A Journey Through Medicines Chapter 1. The first 10 weeks in the quiet halls of the prestigious Willowbrook University's School of Pharmacy, a new group of eager students embarked on a journey of knowledge and discovery. Professor Emily Anderson, an expert in pharmacology, 
stood at the front of the lecture hall on the first day of class. Welcome to the first ten weeks of your pharmacy school journey, Professor Anderson began, her voice brimming with enthusiasm. Today, we'll dive into the world of medications, their brand names, and indications. The class listened intently as Professor Anderson started with Epiodin, known by its brand names Epigen, Procrit, and Reticrit. Epiodin is a medication used to treat anemia caused by cancer chemotherapy. It's a lifeline for those battling cancer and the side effects of their treatment. As the weeks went by, students delved deeper into the world of pharmaceuticals. They learned about the antibiotic erythromycin, effective against bacterial infections. It's the defender of the immune system, Professor Anderson declared, and her students nodded in agreement. Next on the list was escitalopram, a medication known as Lexapro, used to combat depression. A beacon of hope for those battling the darkness, the professor explained. Esomeprazole, or Nexium, was presented as the solution for Heliobacter pylori GI infection. It's the silent hero, fighting the unseen invaders in our stomachs, she said. The class discovered that estradiol oral, under the name Estrace, was crucial for conditions related to vasomotor function and atrophic vagina or vulva. A comfort for those experiencing discomfort, Professor Anderson noted. Esopician, commonly known as Lunsta, was introduced as a remedy for insomnia. Lunsta is the peaceful night's sleep in a tiny pill, she said. Adenecrept, in its various brand names, Inbril and Erlzy, became the hope for those suffering from ankylosing spondylitis. The bridge to a life less painful, the professor described. Ethanyl estradiol and adenogestrol ring, commonly known as Nuva ring, was explained as a contraception method. A choice for those wanting to plan their futures, Professor Anderson stated. Etidolac, under the name Lodine, was celebrated as a general pain reliever. A soldier fighting on the front lines against pain, she said. Exonatide, with its brand names Biota and Bigerion, was hailed as the savior for individuals dealing with diabetes mellitus, type 2. The guardian of blood sugar levels, she explained. The list of medications seemed endless, each with its unique purpose and importance. In the coming weeks, students would continue to unravel the mysteries of pharmaceuticals, understanding their effects and potential side effects. Pharmacy school was a journey through the vast landscape of medicines, and the first ten weeks had only been the beginning. The students were ready to embrace the challenges and knowledge that lay ahead, armed with the understanding of the medications that could change lives and offer hope to those in need.
the world of pharmacy we lay the claim Knowledge and compassion is the golden flame Science and practice side by side they groove In a student's journey we find the move Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast We are so glad you are listening Feel free to subscribe on Spotify And tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast Our Deepest Fear by Marion Williamson Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightening about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us. It's in everyone. And as we, let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Our deepest fear by Marion Williams. You are very important especially to us here at the New Chemist Podcasting Group. You listening in is significant. Vous êtes très important, surtout pour nous ici au New Chemist Podcasting Group. Votre écoute est significative. Usted es muy importante, especialmente para nosotros aquí en The Nuche Mist Podcasting Group. Usted escuchando, es significativo. Você é muito importante, especialmente para nós do The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Você ouvindo, é significativo. Είστε πολύ σημαντικοί, ειδικά για εμάς εδώ στο The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Το να ακούς είναι σημαντικό. (Ρι) 
Sie sind sehr wichtig, besonders für uns hier bei The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Es ist wichtig, dass du zuhörst. Je bent erg belangrijk, vooral voor ons hier bij The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Dat je meeluistert, is veel betekenend. You are very important. Especially to us here at the New Chemist Podcasting Group. You listening in is significant. Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. Bienvenidos al podcast del nuevo químico. Carlos Irza, testo podcast to New Chemist. Welcome by the podcast van the New Chemist. Bienvenue sur le podcast du Nouveau Chimiste. Bem-vindo au podcast du Novo Químico. Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. Work hard. Be value-driven. You can do it. You can grow and learn it. You can be the difference you and your community needs. Don't give up. We are here, rooting and cheering for you. Don't give up. Travaillez dur. Soyez axés sur la valeur. Tu peux le faire. Vous pouvez grandir et l'apprendre. Vous pouvez être la différence dont vous et votre communauté avez besoin. N'abandonnez pas. Nous sommes ici pour vous encourager et vous encourager. N'abandonnez pas. Trabalhar duro. Seja orientado por valores. Você consegue. Você pode crescer e aprender. Você pode ser a diferença que você e sua comunidade precisam. Não desista. Estamos aqui torcendo e torcendo por você. Não desista. Duepses clirá. Na odigite stinaxia. Boris na tocanis. Μπορείτε να μεγαλώσετε και να το μάθετε. Μπορείτε να είστε η διαφορά που χρειάζεστε εσείς και η κοινότητά σας. Μην τα παρατάς. Είμαστε εδώ για να σας ζητοκραυγάσουμε. Μην τα παρατάς. Τραβάχα δούρο. 
Sea impulsado por el valor. Puedes hacerlo. Puedes crecer y aprenderlo. Usted puede ser la diferencia que usted y su comunidad necesitan. No te rindas estamos aquí animándote y animándote. No te rindas. Werk hard. Wees waarde gedreven. Je kunt het. Je kunt groeien en leren. U kunt het verschil zijn dat u en uw gemeenschap nodig hebben. Geef niet op. We zijn hier om voor je te roten en te juichen. Geef niet op. Work hard. Be value driven. You can do it. You can grow and learn it. You can be the difference you and your community needs. Don't give up. We are here rooting and cheering for you. Don't give up. Thanks for listening. We're glad you were able to tune into this podcast. Once again, this is the new chemist where we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change as well as the other sciences, careers, community, research, and COVID-19. Thanks again for listening. Note, the views on this podcast represent those of my guests and I.